Welcome to Frictionless Marketing, an exploration of how modern marketers are building their brands, reaching their audiences, and thriving in this post-advertising world. Liliana Esposito is the Chief Corporate Affairs and Sustainability Officer at the Wendy's Company, where she guides public affairs and communications to build and protect the company's reputation. Liliana has spent nearly 15 years leading communications for consumer packaged goods, beverage, and restaurant brands with stints at Burson Marsteller, Mars, and Dean Foods. Wendy's is one of the most notoriously funny brands on social media and also one of the boldest. It's an example of a brand that executes many firsts with cutting-edge campaigns and stunts that have never been done before. In this conversation, we discussed Liliana's experience during the pandemic, her approach to DE&I, and how Wendy's is able to keep its winning edge in the social media ecosystem. Without further ado, here is Liliana Esposito in conversation with Lippy Taylor CEO, Paul Dyer. Today, I have the distinct pleasure of speaking with Liliana Esposito. Liliana, um, thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me here today, Paul. So, Liliana, you um, recently evolved and expanded your role um, from being Chief Communications Officer to Chief Corporate Affairs and Sustainability Officer. So maybe could we start with just um, how has that transition been and how has it maybe um, shifted your focus and your your day-to-day responsibilities? Yeah, happy to happy to talk about that. And, and I would say that it was probably more of a change in title than than anything else. So really corporate responsibility and sustainability has been part of my role and, and happily so since I joined Wendy's um, almost eight years ago now. Um, what I think that that I recognize and certainly, you know, our leadership team and our board was just the increasing importance of corporate responsibility and increasingly referred to as ESG in the investor world. And, and I think wanting to be very clear about one, the growing importance of that area to uh, a company's executive suite, as well as uh, being really clear with our external audiences where those responsibilities resided in the company. So I do think it's an area that has taken on a greater amount of my focus and attention and my teams, um, but really more because the the areas is is just increasing in importance, uh, not so much because the the role change within the company. Well, and it's good to hear that the company's taking it seriously. Um, you know, obviously that can be investors are are starting to um, exert some of that influence. It can be your leadership, you know, taking a, a leadership stance. Um, but it can also be something that employees sometimes are are asking for. So I'm curious, you know, in terms of how you've navigated those stakeholders. Are you experiencing that? Yeah, 100%. And, and I think the employee importance um, piece is, is a really critical one, and particularly in this environment where uh, no matter what com- type of company or industry you're in, um, staffing and uh, retention and, and just hanging on to your best people is is uh, harder than ever and more important than ever. Um, we've seen this for a long time that, that employees want to, and all of us as, as individuals, you want to be part of something bigger than yourself. And so it's not just a matter of what the company does and what your job is going to be, but are you connected to something that has a higher purpose? And uh, at Wendy's, we view our purpose as creating joy and opportunity through our food, family, and community. And that takes the form of being very committed to certain charitable causes like foster care adoption and the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption. Um, But it's also uh, making sure that you're really overt and intentional about the way you treat people with respect and the, the commitment you have 
have to, you know, ethical behaviors and, and treating people um, the way that they'd like to be treated. And, and that's always been important. But I think what you see more um, today, certainly than, than I did earlier in my career, is uh, employees making decisions about where they want to work based on those factors. And, and not solely on those factors, but it absolutely is part of it. And so when we think about our uh, responsibility journey, all of those stakeholders you mentioned are important, you know, investors and customers and, um, you know, external interest groups that you deal with. But more than ever, I think you're you're marketing yourself to your employees as well. Um, and they're often the best, uh, they'll be the best mirror for you. They'll tell you whether you're you're doing the things that you say that you're doing. Um, and and it, they have to be part of it. So I think, you know, living out that that purpose-driven culture is important to us at Wendy's. And, and we feel really lucky about where we are in terms of the employees that, that we have helping us with it. Well, and that's, that's great. And, and I agree with everything you said. And obviously, Wendy's is a company that has a really large workforce that's not necessarily desk bound. Um, and so that you know, makes makes the employee um, employer relationship really extra important, I would say. Um, you're obviously in an industry, quick serve restaurants, fast food, the whole industry um, that probably had more change in the last two years than it did in the 20 before that. Um, I'm sure many industries would say that, but certainly restaurants. Um, so just love to hear a bit about your experience going through that. You know, what has this time been like for you and your team? Um, and then maybe, you know, we can talk about any lessons learned. Yeah, as we, uh, you know, approach this two-year anniversary of really the, the world, I think, changing dramatically for all of us, no matter what business you were in, um, I think like most companies and most most businesses, the early days of COVID were, um, you know, pretty scary and, and you weren't sure um, what to what was coming next. Um, fortunately, we found that, um, you know, Wendy's and certainly the quick serve restaurant industry um, had a very resilient business model. Um, the benefit, the, you know, prescience of Dave Thomas more than 50 years ago, um, deciding that uh, restaurants could have a drive through attached to them um, is something that all of us here at the Wendy's company today are very thankful for. Uh, and, and it provided a certainly a, a critical service to the communities that we that we operate in and that we serve um, but it also provided a way for our business to to rebound and and you know get back to at least a, a relatively normal operating model um, fairly quickly you know prior to the pandemic, uh, we estimated that about three quarters of our business uh, was through the drive-through at an average restaurant. Um, you know, now it's more like 90%, um, but not, you know, you're not talking orders of magnitude difference uh, as compared to other types of business that really had to, you know, turn on their head uh, in terms of the way that they serve their customers. But what we found uh, and what we continue to find because the, the environment continues to evolve, uh, you know, day by day, is the importance of communications. And, and you know, maybe I, I operate from a position of bias given my, my role within the company on that. But I think what we found was that uh, there was just a craving for, um, you know, information and, um, and, and just a connection to each other within the company. And, you know, Wendy's is about 95% franchise owned. So about 95% of our restaurants are owned and operated by franchisees. And so that's just another uh, really critical uh, audience for us. And what we found with our communications is that we just had to be um, you know, quicker, um, more direct, uh, you know, probably more unfiltered uh, in terms of the way that we were um, we were engaging and certainly more two way, you know, making sure that we were really having, you know, discussions and dialogue with our employees, with our franchisees, with our restaurants. Um, and we can and that continues to today. So so I 
there are, if there are silver linings, I think in this environment, it's been learning how to connect even more directly with each other and seeing the resilience of the business that had been built over, you know, many decades before that. I love, I love the, um, the visual of Dave Thomas as, you know, a, um, a guy who, who, you know, future proof the business against pandemics. Um, but you, you used a couple of turns of phrase that I feel like are really, um, very powerful and maybe even unique in that you said um, providing a service to the communities you operated. And people may not necessarily always think about, you know, restaurants as providing a service to the communities they operate in, but it speaks, I think, to the way you view your relationship with those communities. And then even when you were just talking about dialogue, you know, and which implies hearing other people as opposed to just communicating on our, you know, on our behalf. Um, I mean, I'm just curious, you know, in terms of how you think about that and the way that you think about, um, you know, saying what needs to be said, people are looking for steady, clear communications, but they also want to be heard. You know, how, how have you sort of walked that fine line? Yeah, I think it's. Um, I think it takes a, a number of of different forms, Paul. One, just in terms of the the connection to communities, it, it was something that that I think we recognized um, fairly early in the you know call it the COVID days. That, and we're in a different place today. And while you know mobility and and you know normal patterns haven't gone back to what they were before you and I were talking before we started here about, you know, being, um, you know, in relatively empty offices right now uh, where, you know, most people are working are working remotely. But, you know, think about those early days of COVID where if you ventured out of your house, it might be the only time you left that day. It might be the only time you left in multiple days. And so we looked at that and said, you know, get something as simple as did I get the customer's order right? Did and and it was a bigger order. They are now maybe ordering for their whole family, whereas they used to just have lunch for themselves. You know, if that was your one trip out of the house, um, making sure that you had the hamburger made correctly and making sure that you didn't forget the, um, you know, forget the dressing for the salad, it was more important than ever. And so I think that that some of those little things um, became a just a way for us to recognize and and share that among our, you know, our team that, you know, we really do play an important role in people's lives. And and um, I'm really passionate about food and the food business in general. I think it's one of those, um, everybody has to engage with the food business. Um, and, uh, you know, it truly is essential to survival. But as consumers, you have a vast choice of how you access that and what you what you um, you know put in your body and what you feed your family, um, and so I think that that if you're in that business, you have to really take on that obligation of doing it in a really high quality way, doing it in a way that, that your customers feel really great about, and they they feel like it's you know it's safe and it's worth it, uh, you know that it, that it's worth the time that they're investing, it's worth the money that they're investing in it. Um, so we take that we take that really seriously, and I think that that's I think that's continued, but I think the events of the past few years have probably just brought that into sharper relief for, for us. Mm -hmm. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, so sh shifting gears a little bit, um, Wendy's recently did a, I would say you owned National Roast Day, which I didn't know existed. You guys may have even created it. I, 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 you can correct I me there. But, <laughs> I mean, it seemed like the kind of thing that you should have created if you didn't, but um, you definitely owned it, you know, where the brand was, inviting others to be roasted and doing a wonderful job. Um, 
you know, poking fun and being fun, you know, through social media and things like that. Um, you've also done a lot of other firsts, you know, first branded activations and in, in Fortnite, and you've invested in in gaming and things like that. Um, so, like, you know, how, how do you do it? How do you make sure that Wendy's, um, which you know wasn't necessarily like preordained to be the cool, cutting edge, social media leading brand, but how do you stay on on that leadership edge? Yeah, you know, um, we're often asked by either other brands or agencies or, um, you know, folks kind of in the business, you know, hey, how can we, um, you know, be lo- more like Wendy's on social media? And and I think the answer is usually you shouldn't um, because you should be yourself. You should be your brand. You should. Uh, and you sh- and, and I think that that goes back, um, you know, quite a few years now for Wendy's. And, and we have a fantastic team that, um, you know, that kind of curates and, and manages our, um, you know, our presence in that world. But I think it's really all about looking at what's authentic to your brand, what's the connection that your um, your fans really want to hear from you, and what's the best way to bring that, you know, bring that to life. And whether that's, you know, engaging with, you know, gaming through, you know, Fortnite or otherwise, I think it's just a matter of kind of feeling what's right, um, but also being really respectful of the, um, you know, kind of the boundaries that that your fans, um, you know, want you to be respecting. Um, you know, Roast Day is a lot of fun. And um, I think we, I think the team does a great job of kind of stepping up to the line, hopefully not, you know, going too far over it. Um, but there was a point in time and, you know, 2020 was the time where we said, this isn't right right now. Um, we'll come back to Roast Day. That'll, that'll be something that's, um, you know, kind of better suited for um, another point in time. So I think, you know, just being attuned to that um, and not being tone deaf to what's going on in the broader world around you. So I gotta, I gotta say, usually it's oftentimes the absence of something, you know, that makes the, uh, makes you realize kind of how valuable it was to begin with. So curious, you know, when you came back to Rose Day now, is there a, are you feeling it? Like, are you feeling the response? Is it, is it bigger than it ever was? Is it, if you were to talk about like the ROI of Roast Day, you know, like how would you maybe approach talking about the ROI of Roast Day? Yeah, I don't think, I mean, I don't know that I could tell you, you know, that we, um, you know, sold a specific number of, you know, incremental chicken nuggets because of Roast Day. But I think it's just continuing to build that, build that following and build that relationship with our fans. Um, it, it, it definitely, you know, halos into, um you know, just better business results. But I think overall, it's really just connecting with, um, and, you know, for a 50 year old brand, you have to, you have to keep it fresh. You have to make sure that you're doing it in a way that's relevant. And I think we get, um, we get credit for our history and our heritage, um, for quality, for innovation, for all of those things we've, that we've, um, you know, kind of created in the past, but I think you have to, you have to continually, um, show up every day. Everybody's only got one lunch to eat a day. So, um, if you're going to be the favorite brand, you have to do it over and over. Yeah, and and you've obviously done a great job of maintaining that you know the the tradition, the heritage, you know, while also being cutting edge. And so, if we sort of forecast our conversation now, we think into the future. Um, and so, you've said to other brands, "Don't try and be Wendy's, be you." Right? <laughs> um, but if they want to be the best version of themselves, I mean, obviously, it takes more than just talent. You said you got a great team, but it's more than just talent. There's a there's a culture. There's a, a mindset, you know, there's a way of, of approaching the work um, that maybe people should think differently about, different types of um, approaches they should embrace. I'm curious, anything you would recommend? Yeah, I think it 
probably starts with listening. Um, and before you start speaking and before you start, um, you know, kind of, uh, you know, spouting off what you want, um, you know, people to hear, just listen to what they're talking about and listen and listen to when, when your brand gets um, pulled into a conversation. Um, but also I think it's, it's, you know, I, I, someone shared with me many years ago um, that it's, it's sort of like going to a party um, or throwing the party that there are certain conversations that happen that you don't have to be involved in, um, you know, that you're creating the environment where where that can happen. Um, there are certain conversations you might not want to, um, you know, to, to, to happen, but they're still they're still there. Um, and you don't throw a party and then try to control every single aspect of, you know, the conversation and the dialogue that's going on. It would be the, you know, worst party in the world and you'd leave. Um, so I think that, that I think engagement as a brand is somewhat like that as well, is that you pick your spots, um, you determine where it's appropriate for you to, um, to engage, um, where it can be fun, where it can be, you know, more serious, what, whatever the, the appropriate tone might be. Um, but I think it does start with listening and really um, being kind of honest with yourself about, are we engaging in a way that, that people want us to show up or are we just engaging in a way that we think is going to benefit, um, you know, the, the message that we want to get across? It's not always the same. Yep. Yeah, and, I, and I love that if you think about the mindset as being the mindset of a party host, right? Uh, I think that's a great way of thinking about it and obviously listening first. So, um, you know, we've talked a lot about the pandemic. Um, the other sort of mega trend that really has influenced a lot, you know, in terms of employee-employer relations, in terms of just the societal discourse, um, really has been the calls for social justice, you know, greater transparency in DEI initiatives, both in the public level, but then also with companies. Um, of course, in our industry, we've seen lots of agencies, consultancies, et cetera, bringing forward new offerings. Um, what do you think from the client's standpoint, right? Mm -hmm. What is sort of incumbent on the internal team? What is something you're saying, I would like my partners, you know, and my consultants and those types of things to be bringing this kind of um, thinking, services, support, whatever? Because we think about DEI specifically, you know, like what is it that you think the industry should be doing? Yeah, I, I think it's a great um, and, and complex, um, you know, not an easy answer to that. I think when I think about the client agency relationship, and I've lived on both sides of that throughout my career, um, I think when that relationship is at its best, um, a couple of things are true. One is that the agency feels like an extension of the brand of the team. Um, and that if you're the if you're sitting in a position like I am and you see work come to you, you don't necessarily know whether it came from your team or the agency team. It feels like it's an integrated, um, you know, really holistic um, product. So I think that's one piece of it. But I think the other piece is that um, particularly for the agency side of the relationship is that you don't live in the bell jar with the company, that you do exist in, um, you know, a broader world. You have access to, um, you know, to, to different types of clients, different types of industries. You might geographically be located in different, you know, different areas. And so I think it it, it is incumbent on agency partners to also be, um, you know, push their clients to, um, you know, to be provocative to be, um, you know, authentic. And, and if you feel like the client is maybe missing something, often it's not because they're um, intentionally glossing over it. They just might not be, 
you know, if I'm sitting here in Columbus, Ohio, I might not be, um, you know, seeing what's happening in a, you know, in a different part of the, you know, different part of the world. So I think it is that combination. Um, and I think particularly as it relates to diversity, equity and inclusion, um, I think everybody has a role to play with that. And, and it probably starts with, you know, kind of starting at home. Um, you know, I know at Wendy's, we, um, you know, it, it's an area where we've been focused for some time. We have absolutely doubled down on saying, are we really doing enough? Um, are we really living the values that, um, you know, that we kind of, you know, put on the wall? Um, you know, we created an office of diversity, equity, and inclusion and hired our for first, um, you know, chief of that function, um, have been really intentional about the way we bring that to life. And we certainly expect that of our agency partners as well, um, that they're doing it in their own way. They're doing it in the way that, that works for them, um, you know, based on their organization, but that we're absolutely partners in, you know, in that journey. And then, you know, as you think about the Wendy's brand, you know, one of the things that that we determined we could do was make more of a commitment to um, specifically youth education and social justice within the Black community. Um, we did that financially with some some partnerships, but also using the assets that are available to us. And for us, that's our social voice. So, um, you know, in, in a number of cases, we, you know, sort of turned over the reins of our um, of our own properties to whether that was, you know, Twitter, Instagram, you know, otherwise to some partners that could help elevate black voices or could help um, elevate a dialogue that needed to happen around social justice. You know, not something that we as Wendy's would say that we are controlling or certainly even an expert in that in that conversation, but um, trying to provide the platform that that other organizations and voices could could be better heard. I have to ask, I mean, Lots of companies have talked about doing page takeovers like that. It happens frequently out in the general social media world, but a massive brand allowing another organization to speak from their microphone does not happen often. So was that was that easily come up across, you know, like did in terms of working with lawyers, in terms of, you know, getting all the people aligned internally, like what was that process like? Yeah, I wouldn't say that there was a tremendous amount of process to it. Um, you know, I don't recall a legal review, honestly, maybe it happened. But um, I think it but but I think what made that um, a natural um, maybe choice were the partners that we were working with. So, you know, working with the Thurgood Marshall College Foundation, working with um, the Urban League of Columbus, you know, working with some partners, um, some of whom were newer partners to us, you know, organizations that we were just getting to know um, and just recognizing the, the, the enormity of one, what they had to say, um, and two, just recognizing that, look, you know, if you don't have hundreds of millions of dollars in advertising, um, you know, budgets at your disposal, your your platform may not be as um, as as well heard as it should be. Uh, and so we looked at it as what do we have to offer? And in that particular, you know, those particular um, instances, what we had to offer was was reach and was relevance that, that we knew that there was a, a great community that was listening to Wendy's and would be, you Know, really well inclined to you know listen to these other voices that just had so much to say. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take us in a personal direction for one moment here. Is I am I'm currently in the process of interviewing for kindergartens for my daughter. Good luck. And thank you. It's it's really a very hairy process, um, very stressful. And um, one of the things the schools keep saying is they keep saying the job she will probably have doesn't exist today. Mm -hmm. 
right? So as we think about that, we think about the future jobs, right? You're somebody who's, you've worked agency side, you've worked client side, you've got the big job at the coolest brand. So for all these people right now, in particular, earlier in their career, maybe just out of college, and they're thinking about building their own careers, what advice would you give them in terms of either career path or skills they should be developing, things that would enable them to be ready for the job that may not exist yet? Yeah. Um, great question. Um, my first piece of advice is live somewhere where you have great public schools and your kids don't have to interview for kindergarten. I feel very lucky. Seriously. I grew up in Des Moines, Iowa. Right. Okay. So this is all very foreign to me, but so. right. uh, you know, it's funny. My, my first, um, professional job, I will say, um, was at Barson Mars Stellar, um, right out of college and um, to show my age, that was 1997. And I remember listening to um, a speaker who at that time said that by the time those of us that were just starting out were finishing our careers, we would have seven jobs in our life. And that 10 years later, the people coming out would have something like, you know, 20 jobs. And I thought, that's crazy. I'm not going to have seven jobs. Um, and now here I am. And I think I'm on number five or six and I've still got quite a few, you know, years left in the, um, in the job bank. So, um, I, I do think that, that the, if you, th I think if, if somebody is, um, whether it's going into college now or coming out and, and thinking about what they want to do professionally, or maybe you're, you know, starting them early with the, with the kindergarten set. Um, you know, I think the, I would. I never knew that this job existed. Even this industry existed, um, and you know, pre-internet, such a such a time existed. Um, you know, not terribly long ago, there was a limited sphere of what you could think you would want to be. And I think, um, but I think that if you just focus on what do you enjoy, what do you think you're good at, um, that the jobs will. I don't know, I guess they appear. Um, but I, I think that our business, whatever our business is, you know, I think about, you know, communications, marketing, um, whatever that looks like today is certainly a lot different than it was 25 years ago. It, five years from now, it'll be, you know, even more different. I'm probably not giving you a great answer, but um, I don't know that it's, a, that it's any different than what it's ever been, which is that, um, you know, be intellectually curious, um, you know, just be curious about everything and, and, you know, read every piece of, you know, consume every piece of news that you can, um, you know, seek to understand things that are outside of your, um, you know, your kind of your wheelhouse or your, your area of expertise. Um, but I also think be business minded, you know, that, that it can sometimes be easy when you work in whether an agency environment or otherwise that, um, I know my first corporate job, I remember I had a, um, a manager who kind of sat me down and said, so the business of this company, is, it was Mars Incorporated. She said, we make candy bars. We don't make press releases, <laughs> meaning, you know, I was going from a place where I was sort of the profit center or one of the profit centers of the company to a place that I was a cost center. And I needed to be focused on, you know, that's what she was very delicately uh, sharing with me and, and appropriately so, which is like, you know, you don't make money for this place unless you are connected to the business. Um, and I think that's important to whether it's your client, whether you're in-house and you're you're providing those services is how does how does your business become and stay successful? Um, what can get in the way of that success? And are you is your work contributing to that success um, and not contributing to the things that may get in the way? Um, and, and I think that that can't be overstated. 
Well, I think that's great advice and, and frankly, easy to, you know, easy to overlook sometimes when we're so focused on what's right in front of us. So, um, Liliana, thank you very much for all your insights and for sharing your time with us here today. Um, we greatly appreciate it. And I'm sure that we're going to have great feedback from everybody here um, when we're able to um, run with this live. I couldn't leave without a plug for Wendy's, in particular Wendy's breakfast. Um, it's great. If you haven't tried it, you should get out there and give it a try. Um, and uh, we hope to see you all at a Wendy's near you very soon. All right. I will see you for breakfast soon. All right. Here, as always, are some key takeaways from this conversation with Liliana. Number one, be inspired, but be yourself. When it comes to Wendy's, the brand's constant innovation and fresh thinking coupled with their funny and often brash humor makes them an extremely unique voice. Liliana is often asked by other brand executives how their brand can be more like Wendy's, to which she often replies, don't. Instead of attempting to replicate a brand's presence, Liliana recommends that brands find their own unique voice and determine what they can bring to the community through their own unique identity instead of through replication. Communal listening is a key element of this. Number two, don't kill creativity with too much of a focus on ROI. One of Wendy's traditions is Roast Day, in which they publicly roast a slew of other major brands, resulting in a hilarious amount of Twitter banter. This is a very unique stunt that Wendy's has become known for, but Liliana speaks to how she has no idea whether or not it sells more chicken nuggets, and how that's not even the point. The point is that things like this help a brand build a following and remain top of mind, all of which naturally leads to better business results. Number three, transparency is key during uncertain times, as is community. Throughout the course of the pandemic, companies universally had to take a deeper dive into their internal communications approach, and Wendy's was no different. Liliana claimed that among employees and key stakeholders, there was a craving for both up-to-date information and a connection with the company. As a result, she streamlined communication protocols in favor of real-time communication, all of which enabled the company to thrive during these uncertain times with their people completely intact emotionally. Internal comms approaches are being completely rebooted, and for good reason. It's time to throw out the rule books and speak with your people and shareholders in real time. Anyway, thank you guys as always for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Frictionless Marketing, why not share it with your friends and colleagues on LinkedIn? Don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Lippy Taylor. That's L-I-P-P-E-T-A-Y-L-O-R. And to learn more about us, visit us at LippyTaylor.com. Thanks again for listening to Frictionless Marketing. Thank you for listening to Frictionless Marketing. If you enjoyed this episode, you might want to check out Paul's best-selling book, Friction Fatigue, What the Failure of Advertising Means for Future-Focused Brands. In Friction Fatigue, Paul explains to readers why advertising is broken and provides a frictionless marketing framework to help build your brand in an era where advertising is no longer the answer. You'll learn how to protect your business against competitors and lead the pack with fresh marketing strategies that will help you prepare for a future where the consumer rules. Friction Fatigue is now available on Amazon and as a book on tape on audible.com. Thanks again for listening.